All right, well, hello, Timberline Church. Glad you guys are here joining us this weekend. It is the first weekend here in December. All right, so we are fully into swing with Christmas, right? If you weren't already, it's definitely that time, which is such a fun and awesome time of year. Um, I love Christmas. I love all that it brings. And here at at Timberline, we started a series last week where we're looking at four Christmas carols that are sung all over the world. Millions of people all over the world sing these carols all of the time. And and today we're going to be looking at the song, Oh Holy Night, and just really looking at themes and and what this song says about truths that we see in the gospel related to the Christmas story. And when you came in, you probably received a bookmark uh, that has different parts of that song on there. If you didn't get one and you'd like one, you can get it from guest services as you leave. Also, we just invite you to use those as ways to let your neighbors and your friends and family know about uh, and invite them to church here. You could take more with you from guest services, take a stack. Invite people and bring them, all right? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at this song, um, Oh Holy Night, and also part of the Christmas story. Uh, Looking forward to all that God has. I would love just to invite you to pray with me um, as we open up his word here this morning. So Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for Christmas and all that it means, the birth of your son, and we get to celebrate that um, in Advent, this time of preparation and celebration um, for your first coming as we look forward to your second coming as well. Um, So God, we just invite you here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am especially excited here for this Christmas. It's a little bit of a unique and different uh, Christmas season here for me because we just had a a baby, my wife and I. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. And I actually, uh, you know, because I'm just a proud dad, I thought I'd bring a picture and show you guys the little guy. So this is my family right now. He's our fourth little baby, uh, which is still wild to me. But uh, Knox is his name. He's my oldest daughter, Evie, is holding him there. And then Nora and Miles, along with my wife, Allie. And uh, so it's just, it's such a joy. But my life is uh, very crazy and hectic and a lot happening at all times, which I love being a dad. It's my, my favorite thing. Uh, and, uh, but we have four kids under the age of seven. And I know some of you could probably relate to this, little kids. Or, you know, I, I actually come from a family of eight. I'm the second oldest and eight, which uh, is wild enough my parents survived that. I'm halfway there and not really trying to get there, just being honest, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, when we have a, a family with, you know, four little kids, it makes us do things just a little bit different at times, and especially when it comes to road trips. And so when, sometimes when we go on, the, you know, doing a road trip, we make a strategic parenting decision that I'm sure some of you have tried before, uh, where we try to drive at nighttime. You know, because we think, all right, you know, the kids, they don't love the car seats all the time. So this, a couple winters ago, we were driving up to Steamboat Springs for uh, a family thing. And it, we had that thought, all right, we have three kids at the time. They're all under, uh, probably under five. And so we thought, let's, you know, let's leave at night, let's leave at bedtime. They'll sleep. We'll have a peaceful drive to the mountains. You know, you guys are laughing at me, right? Yeah. Been there, done it, tried it. So, but this time, miraculously, it worked. All my kids were sleeping, they were out, so my wife and I were having this peaceful drive to Steamboat, listening to a podcast, not listening to kids' music over and over again, the same song, so that was a win, all right? But then, on the way to Steamboat, if you've ever done this drive, you have to go over Rabbit Ears Pass, and that's right before you get into this, the town there, and Rabbit Ears Pass can be different, because it's kind of high up there, the weather is typically a little bit different. And it was a beautiful day. We're driving up, enjoying it, you know, the evening. And it's probably about 1130 midnight. So it's really dark. We can't see. There's nobody else really up there. And all of a sudden, we get to the, near the top of the pass, and it starts just blizzarding, storming. It's crazy. And also just a dense fog, a deep fog takes in to where you can't turn your brights on. It's worse, right? I could see just a few feet in front of me. 
In just a couple minutes, the whole, the road was covered in snow, so couldn't see the lines. I was relying on those, you know, on the side of the road, there's those different reflectors. That was all I could literally see. Just a few feet, we're just inching over the top of this mountain. Just, we couldn't pull over, that wouldn't have been safer. We just have to get through it. And, and I'll tell you, like, I was definitely nervous, very scared. Uh, I'm from Colorado, I've driven in snow many times, so I think I can do it, but not on, on that time, all of, we were just praying, like, God, get us out of this. All I want to do is see some lights. All I want to do is be over the top of this and down and into the Steamboat Valley there. And my kids are just behind sleeping like total angels. And then this happens, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I can remember, though, we get to the top of the pass. We start to go down. And I know you guys, you know, you've driven in snow before. But you, we're, we can't see much. We can't see much. We finally get a little bit low enough where the fog breaks just enough. And the snow stops just enough where we start to see the city lights ahead. Just some houses in the outskirts of the city. And I'll tell you, I've never been more happy to see somebody's house before, right? Like, you're just praying, just white-knuckling it the whole way. And all of a sudden, the lights break through the fog. And then we get through a little bit lower, and the fog totally lifts. The snow stops. Just driving a steamboat. We get there. Our family was already there. And we're, I'm literally just so stressed, totally shaking. They're like, what's the deal? It's perfect weather. <laughs> I was not up there. I promise you that, you know? But this idea, like this, that, that light breaking through the fog brought me so much hope. It's like, okay, this is going to be over. We're going to make this. My family and I, we're all going to be okay. And I'm so grateful for that. Like that was, I was so happy for that. And when I think about the Christmas story, the Christmas story is a moment where the light breaks through the shadows, right? The light shines through the darkness. And the Messiah, the light of the world has come into the dark and broken and lost and broken world that we live in. This Messiah shines through. And that's what this Christmas story highlights. And the Old Testament the Old Testament reveals the, the Messiah as a light shining in the darkness. And we said we were going to talk about this song, O Holy Night. And I want to read the first verse here. It talks about the brilliant stars shining here. Verse 1 of O Holy Night, it says, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So some beautiful, beautiful words, and I promise you, if you want to sing it, you'll get your chance when the worship team comes out. I'm just going to read this stuff for now, all right? That's cool. I think it's better for everybody, all right? But as we read these verses, like there's that first line that says, these, the stars were shining. And I, I don't know, it doesn't say in the Bible anywhere that these stars necessarily were any brighter. But what I do know was that the light that gives light to every man had come. That Jesus, the light of the world, had come. That his light would shine and his light would shine through the darkness. And Zechariah, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, or in Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, has a prophecy where he speaks of this Messiah who is to be born just a little bit later after John the Baptist. And I think it's interesting because if you know the story, if you read Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, his mouth had been closed because he didn't believe God originally. He wasn't able to speak through the whole time when his baby was, you know, his, his wife was pregnant and about to give birth. But then he says his name will be John. And that's what God had told him, to name his son John. And once he did that, his tongue is loosened and he's able to speak. And the first thing that he says is he starts prophesying. God speaks to him about Jesus who was to come. Jesus was following John the Baptist. And I want to read from Luke chapter 1 a couple parts of this prophecy here. Verses 68 through 70 in Luke 1. It says, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. 
And I just have to stop right there. Every service I've done this, stop right there hearing this. Because it says this, this line that I don't want us to miss, I don't want us to forget. Right? We celebrate Christmas every year. It's amazing. We hear the Christmas story probably every year. You see the nativity scenes and all these things. It's easy, I think, when we read the story for it to be something that just becomes normal. Which I think can even happen in many areas in our journey. If you've been following Jesus for a while, it's easy just to get stuck in things that feel normal. But, but what I want us to just, just encourage us all this morning is this line here. Just, this should not be something we just get over. And we just get over with. I never want to get over the amazement that Jesus, the King of kings, the God of the universe, has visited and redeemed his people. That my life has been forever changed because Jesus came. My life has been forever changed, and I have hope, and I have freedom, and I have life, and I have confidence for the future. And no matter what comes, I know that he is with me, and he's by my side, and that same promise is for each and every one of us. May we never get over this reality. Are you guys with me? That God has come, and he's visited, and he's redeemed his people. So he starts with that, and then he says this. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal light of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. I'm going to continue, same person, Zechariah, speaking in verse 78 and 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to a path of peace. Just beautiful language. I love how Zechariah speaks in this prophecy, and he says this, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. And if you've ever driven in the snow like I was talking about, you can relate to that, that moment when that light shined and that hope that came from me through the fog. Here's the Christmas story. The morning light from heaven is about to come and to break upon us. And it says that this light is to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. That this light is coming. And, and its job, what it's going to do is to invade the darkness. And we're so grateful. We all know this. But, but light always invades the dark. There's never a time when you're in a dark room and you light a candle and the dark overtakes the light. There's never a time you're in a dark room and you, and you, light, you, know, a, you, you turn a light on and, and the dark overwhelms it. The light always overtakes the dark. And it's the same truth that, that John speaks about in John chapter 1 about Jesus. John 1, 5, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That is good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And what I love about the Christmas story is that this is Jesus, the light of the world, coming to a world that's lost and broken, full of darkness, full of hurting people. And the light shines, and the light overtakes the dark. The light's not afraid to go into places of darkness. God is not intimidated by the dark. He's not afraid. There's nothing that is ever difficult or hard for him, but the light always comes and overtakes and overwhelms the dark. And this morning as we consider the Christmas story, that the Savior of the world has visited me and redeemed my life, that the light of the world has come. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, this light is now inside of you. And so I want to ask us this question this morning here of where do I need the light of Christ to shine in my life? Just making it really personal for you. Where do I need the light of Christ to shine into my life? Are there dark places, places of darkness in my life or brokenness or pain or hurting or places of sin where I've, maybe I've held away from God, I've held back from God, and I feel far away from God. And this is a moment to bring it before him. What is so amazing about our Savior is that he does not look at us in our brokenness, in our failures, in our mistakes. He doesn't look at us with condemnation. He doesn't look at us with fear and say, oh, I don't want to mess with that. No, it's this welcoming. 
He says, I want you to come boldly before the throne of grace because I'm with you to help you when you need it most. And so there's an invitation for each and every one of us. Even if today you feel far from God, there's an invitation where he's saying, I want you to come to me that the light of Christ may shine in the dark places of your soul. In Psalm 18, 28, the psalmist says, you light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. How powerful is that? That I don't have to sit in the place of darkness, but I can, I can lean into the one who wants to light up my darkness. And the second part of this idea here this Christmas is I want us just to consider this of who in my life needs an opportunity to be introduced or reintroduced to this light that's forever changed in my life. Do you have people, and I'm sure each and every one of us do, that when you think, and you can think right away, it comes to mind, hey, this person, I know this person, I love this person, and maybe at one point they were following Jesus, and now they've walked away. Or maybe, it won't, or maybe this is a person in my life that, that is, you know, I know they've never really followed Jesus, they've never been introduced to this, but I pray for them, and I care about them. I think all over the room, there's sons, there's daughters, there's fathers, there's mothers, there's grandparents, there's, there's friends, there's coworkers, there's people that we can think of that are living in, a, in darkness, that are living separated from the light of Christ and the hope of the gospel. And, and what an opportunity. What if this was the season? We love Christmas miracles, right? That's why we love those Hallmark movies. It's always just feel good, comes through, it goes the way we want it to go. I, I love that story. What if, what if this was the season for a Christmas miracle to see prodigals return home? That's what encourages us all across this room. If there's somebody that you're thinking of, just even saying a prayer for them today. And looking for opportunities in ways that, that you could be a part of introducing them and reintroducing them to the light of Christ. And just believe in this, that no one is too far gone. That this light is coming, over, it overwhelms and, and it invades the darkness. No one is too far gone. That God came for every single person. God so loved the world that his son came, right? That if anyone would believe, they would have everlasting life. That this, is, this message is for all people. And this king of kings, the savior of the world, he's come for you and he's come for me. And that is an incredible truth. I would just invite you to think of a time in your life where people showed up for you. Friends, family, people were close to you. They came to celebrate you. Maybe it was a big milestone in your life. Maybe it's a big achievement that people showed up and celebrated you. Maybe for you it was a difficult moment. It's a hard season you're walking through or have walked through and people were there for you. And the fact that they were there for you, what did that, what did that speak to your heart and your soul? about how much they love you, how much they value you, how they're with you through the highs and the lows. I can remember about 10 years ago, I'm coming up on my 10-year wedding, wedding anniversary, and I can remember that day, my wedding day, and there's just a moment, I didn't even know I was doing it at the time, but it's a memory that I have forever now, was we, we got married up in Estes Park, and there was a time standing there at the altar with my wife, and I looked out just across the room. We probably had about 100-ish people um, there with us celebrating. I just remember just scanning across the room, you know, right to left, whatever it was. And just seeing all of these people that took time out of their busy schedule, out of their lives, and made it so that they would be there with us on that day. And we got married in Estes Park on a Thursday because it was cheaper, you know what I mean? The venue's cheaper, so Thursday. We've all been there, right? Made people take work off and drive up out of town so they'd be there for us. But they did it, right? And just how amazing that makes you feel. Just remembering and knowing that, that, that they were there for us. And, and there's a scripture in Matthew 1, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And what an incredible truth. What a promise. And we see this word Emmanuel, and we sing this word at Christmas time, see it on signs and whatever, on Christmas packaging, but it means God is with us. 
And so what does that do to my heart? Just as you think when somebody shows up for you and how that instills value and care and love for you, this is God in heaven. He came for you. He came for you. This is God with us. Most kings don't want to stoop down off their throne. They expect to be served. They expect people to come to them. But the king of kings came down to earth as a humble baby, lived a life for us. He came for me and he came for you. And that should fill us with such joy and hope. And he came for all people. And so here's a question I want to ask us this morning. And we're to consider this as we look at more into the Christmas story. But this question is, what is our response to the king of kings? What is my response to this king? The light of the world who came, who, who abandoned his throne in heaven and came down as a little baby in a manger. And he came. What is our response? How, how should I live my life knowing that this Savior came to earth and not only just came, but he lived a life, a perfect life, and he died in my place. He was raised again so that I might have life. What is my response to this? And this song, O Holy Night, I love the first chorus in this song. And we've probably heard it a lot of times. And if you, if you want to, there's a lot of people have covered the song, O Holy Night. So go Spotify, look it up. Your favorite singer's probably sung it. So here, it's a, a bunch of amazing renditions of this song. But they always have at chorus one this beautiful epic moment. And they sing these, song, these words here, chorus one. It says, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. And I love that first line there. Fall on your knees. I believe that's just an amazing posture and a place of response for us to be during this Advent season. As we're celebrating the arrival of Christ and anticipating and looking forward to his second coming. The posture of Advent is this posture of falling on our knees. In amazement and awe and praise and worship of who God is. And I want to take some time now. I want to read from Luke chapter 2. And this is the Christmas story here. I want to look at the shepherds. And I want to look at how they responded. What was their response? What was the posture of their response? And here's the thing. I know Luke chapter 2, we've probably read the story of the shepherds and the angels. If you're anything like me and you grew up in a, in a home where you would read that story at Christmas, you've probably heard this, right? I can remember um, every Christmas as a child, we'd go to my grandparents' house. And uh, my aunts and uncles, my cousins were all there, my brothers and sisters. And, you know, as a kid on Christmas, you're typically pretty focused on one thing, all right? You know, and uh, that's when you walk in and you look at the tree and there's all kinds of presents right there. And so I always remember we get to my grandparents' house and we're already like, we've been in the car for an hour. I just want to get to the presents. Let's see what we got. And we'd have, you know, then we have to say hi to everybody, give them hugs. We have to eat a meal. We got to pray. We got to do all this stuff. So you're like, just, I just want to open the presents, right? And then every year. My grandpa was a great man of faith, but I always was hoping he would read faster because every year at Christmas, he would open up the Bible. He'd get, they'd gather us around the tree, all right, it's presents time, and he would open up the Bible and he'd read all of Luke chapter 2, you know what I mean? And those 20 verses felt like a long time when you were a kid with a lot of presents around the tree. So we've heard this story before, but what my hope is and my goal is here for us is that we wouldn't just, it wouldn't just be another time where we, we zone out, we tune out, but we'd say, hey, what, what can I gain? What, what is my response to the king, what, what, how did the shepherds respond that holy night when they were apart? It's incredible that God actually appeared, the angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds, common people, people that were actually looked down upon in that society, that he came for those people. It's an amazing message of, of God's heart for all people. He came for every person. Let's read this story here, starting in Luke 2, verse 8 through 12. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. 
Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. I'm sure they were terrified. It's a very different thing than they're used to just watching sheep, right? An angel appears. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloths, cloth and lying in a manger. All right, so here's, we have four different responses of these shepherds in the story. The first one is they were terrified. All right, they were absolutely terrified. And who could blame them? Their typical day is out there watching sheep and wandering around in the wilderness, and boom, all of a sudden, an angel appears to them and starts speaking to them, saying, I'm an angel of the Lord. And just like what happened to Zechariah, and just like what happened to Mary when angels appear to them, they're afraid. But they start to listen. And I can tell you this, like I wasn't there that night, but what I do know is that those shepherds, however many were in the fields, I'm sure they were locked in on that angel, right? Like, they weren't just thinking, oh, hey, there's, a, there's an angel. All right, I'm just going to hang out with the sheep over here, you know? Like, like, this was something that totally caught their attention. And maybe you've, maybe you've gone to something or a certain event or you've been a part of something that just caught your attention. You couldn't look away. I was thinking of this. Was, one time I was on a trip in Orlando, Florida, like around Disney World area, and, and somebody bought us tickets to go see a show there called Cirque du Soleil. And some of you guys have probably seen that, but I had never even heard of it at the time. And, and so my wife was like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. We got to go. And I was like, I'm around Disney World. Like, why do I want to go to the circus? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, it doesn't sound that good. But I had no idea what I was in for. Because Cirque du Soleil is not just like a regular circus. It's like, it was incredible. Like, these high-flying acrobats are flying through the air, catching each other, doing flips. There was this guy on a bike that was on his, his back wheel just jumping all over these different things. And I mean, it was crazy. For, for the whole time, I could not, I was in awe. And then the show ended and I remember just looking at my wife and being like, wow, that, that's it? It's already over? Like, and, and she was like, well, look at, your, look at your watch. It was like two hours. It was like two hours. And I was like, oh, I guess I realized I just gave a really good review for Cirque du Soleil. Like, I could not look away. I thought it was five minutes. It was two hours. Like, I was in awe. And I, that's what I picture these shepherds. Is that day, like, the, this angel here, is they're, they're locked in. They're saying, this, we've never seen anything like this. Their attention is focused on that. And I think when we think about our posture and our response to the King of Kings at Christmas is, is what's my attention really focused on, right? Is there so many things. The Christmas season is an amazing season. Could be a season you love. Could Sometimes it's a difficult season as well, though. But there's always a lot of distractions. There's always a lot of things that we can spend our time and our attention focusing on. And I want, I want to just encourage us that we would maintain our focus on who Jesus is and what he's done. And we would remember that. That Jesus, the light of the world, has visited and redeemed his people. That like those shepherds were locked in on that angel, that we would be focused and locked in with our attention on what really matters. To love people. To love God here this Christmas season. Verse 13, continuing in Luke 2, it says, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast, of host, vast host of others. The armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. All right, so now this entire celebration of angels, they're coming, right, and they're singing. This had to be the greatest choir, the greatest concert of all time. These angels from heaven, an army of heaven's angels are coming and singing and declaring their praises and saying, you need to go to Bethlehem and see this baby. This is the Messiah. This is Christ the Lord. This is the one that we've been waiting for. 
It's number two, these people, they were filled with anticipation. The shepherds were filled with anticipation and excitement to go and see. Anticipation and excitement to go and see. And I love that posture of approaching the king. I love that posture of when we come before God with this anticipation and an excitement. Just like a kid on Christmas, right? We know the feeling. Just so excited to go see. But nothing compares to these shepherds going and seeing the baby, the Savior of the world who is Christ the Lord. And what if we had this posture whenever we come to approach God? Whether it's at a church service, it's a small group, it's when you're on your own time with the Lord. When you have an opportunity to come into the presence of God, what if we came with an anticipation and an expectation of what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives? Because I believe that this, He is a God who's infinite, who's beyond us. We're never going to get to the end of knowing Him. We can always come with an expectation that He wants to meet with us. Luke 2, 16, it says, Then they hurried to the village and, Mary, and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. And I really love this heart posture of the shepherds. That right here, and I think this is amazing for us at Christmas to be aware of this, but they were eager to tell everyone. That was something that was focused for them. They were eager to tell everyone. I mean, this was something that they knew had changed the world forever. This was the promised Messiah, the one who was going to set up a new kingdom and a kingdom that would never end. And he had come, and they had saw him, and they wanted to tell everyone about him. They had to tell everyone about him. And that's my encouragement. Hopefully, big thing, if you get one thing out of this message today, I hope it's this. is what if we lived our lives, and specifically in this Christmas season, with an openness but also an eagerness to tell everyone we know about this message of hope. Like this light of the world is for all people. It's come for everyone. No one's too far gone. And God loves to use. He uses us. We're his people. We are representations of Jesus Christ on the earth. Letters of who Jesus is that we get to speak. And, and you have an amazing, unique place in the sphere of influence that God has put you. And there's people around you that don't know Jesus. There's people around you this Christmas that need to hear about the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. And I, I would love it if we were a congregation and a group of people that took this seriously and said, Jesus has forever changed my life and I want to tell this to other people. And what's so beautiful about that is that God is the one that does the work. We just get to be open. We have to ask for opportunities and with boldness take those. But God is the one who does the work. And he works in ways that we might not expect. And even the story, this, this, uh, the song, Oh Holy Night, it has a story that I had never known. Kind of did some research on who wrote this story, who wrote this song, where did it come from. And it has a pretty powerful story. It was written in the mid-1840s, and it was in France. So a French poet was, was given the assignment by a priest in the church to write a poem about the night that Christ was born. And they were going to sing this poem. And then, then his friend would put it to music, and they were going to sing it at Christmas, Christmas Mass in the 1840s. Okay, so this man, he puts together a poem. He likes it enough. says, hey, let's put this to music. A famous musician at the time in France was a guy by the name of Adolphe Charles Adams. And so he put music behind it. And so now we have the French version, right, of what we now sing as Oh Holy Night. And they sang it, and they began to sing it in churches all over France. And it was gaining steam and popularity. But just a few years later, news broke that the writer, the poet, actually had renounced any faith in God, started to pursue something else. And so it didn't mean that what he said isn't true by any means. 
We look at the lines and what we sing. This song causes us to worship and it speaks of who God is. So this song is truth, but this man, his life just by circumstance went a different path. It's the same thing happened with the musician. Both guys actually ended up saying they weren't even believers and followers in Christ. And so the church in France, they quit singing the song. They banned it because they said it, it didn't have the spirit of religion is what they said. But the people loved it. The people continued to worship and sing. And so the song would, be, would still be sung. And there was years later, a man by the name of John Sullivan Dwight, who's an American writer, he got wind of this song. He got translated into English and became the song, Oh Holy Night. And John Sullivan Dwight, what really caught his attention was verse 2. I'm going to read this in a second, but verse 2 stuck out to him because he was fighting, or the Amer America was stuck in the Civil War. And the North, and, and he was an abolitionist fighting against slavery and trying to overcome slavery. And the North really took this on. See what verse 2 says. It says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains he shall break for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Powerful words, and you can imagine how powerful that was in the north as they're fighting against slavery. This song that they're declaring, that chains he shall break and all oppression shall cease. And so this song was now sung all over in the Americas. And the story continues in the song, 1906, a guy by the name of Reginald Fessenden played O Holy Night as the first song to be played over radio waves on the radio. So it has an amazing history, this, this, this Christmas carol that we sing, and people, millions of people sing all over the world. And what's so amazing about it is it was actually written. God used this, even though it was written by people that said they don't even believe in it. Right? Like God works in mysterious ways. And again, it's not like the words aren't true. We know that this is to be true, to sing about the, the grace of God, but, but the testimony of the song is that God used it even when circumstances didn't really make sense, right? And I think that that's something that we can hold on to as we eager to tell everybody, how do we tell people about this message? It's not about you. It's not about you saying everything perfectly. It's, hey, I want to be open for opportunities that God has for me to share what he has done in my life. And I believe and I know that God can work in an incredible way in somebody else's life just he has for mine. And I hope and pray, that's my prayer, that we would have so many Christmas miracles this Christmas of people that are coming to Jesus and prodigals returning home, people we've been praying for, that God would speak to and break through the darkness. The light would shine in a powerful way. Chorus 2 in O Holy Night says, Christ is the Lord. O praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaimed. When you look at the prophecies about Jesus coming, when you look what is said about his kingdom that he would set up, this baby that was born in Bethlehem, he was going to come and set up a kingdom that would never end. And I love that line. It says, praise his name forever. And the shepherds on that night, when they were hearing the greatest concert of all time, these angels singing the praises of God, that launched them on, I think, a life and for sure that evening of glorifying and praising God. See this in verse 20. Luke 2.20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That's the last, the fourth heart posture we see in the shepherds from this story is glorifying and praising God. That they were amazed of what God had done and it caused them and it called them to worship. And I think when we say, what's our response to the king? That's an amazing one. Is he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. I want to finish with just this same question we ask. 
What is our response to the King of Kings? What is our response to this King this Christmas? I think a holy night, it says, it says fall on your knees. I think that's an amazing response, right? Is that we would fall on our knees in worship and praise, but also at a place of humbly submitting to the ways and to the rule of this King and His kingdom. That we would walk in His way and not in our own. Falling on your knees. The second thing we see is this, this desire of praising His name forever. Praising and exalting the name of Jesus. I hope that this Christmas season you would be filled with, with the joy to worship God. With your voice as you sing, with your words as you talk, but also with the way that we live our lives. That we live a life of worship. And the last thing, this call. I think the Christmas story calls this out, that this message needs to be heard. That we would tell everyone about what we've seen and heard. That we would tell everyone about what we've seen and heard. And that we'd be willing to pray for opportunities. Here's my challenge to you as you leave today. That you'd be willing to pray for opportunities. Ask God, would you give me opportunities to share this message with people that I know? People at my work, people in my family, my friends, my neighbors. Maybe God's going to open opportunities and doors that we would never expect. With people we never thought were close. But you just taking that one bold step of faith and open the door that somebody would hear this gospel and have their life changed forever. Just like those shepherds, what if we had that posture? We get to tell everybody about what we've seen in her. I'm going to pray here. and Just pray for, even as I pray, I would love to just invite you to think of a person or whoever it is that maybe is in your life that hey, I've been praying for this person. I want to see God break through the darkness. I want to see the light of Christ to shine in this person. I want to just invite you to pray by them by name and we'll join together and pray. And then after I pray, we'll have you stand if you're able and we're going to sing this song together. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came, you visited and you redeemed your people. You are the light of the world. You invaded the darkness. So God, I pray for, for us, Lord, as, as followers of Jesus. God, I pray for opportunities. Lord, give us boldness and courage to preach your message, to tell people about what we have seen and heard. God, we pray for miracles to happen where, where people would return, where prodigals would come home. God, we pray for miracles to happen where people would accept the gift of salvation for the very first time. You would give us opportunities to share about the testimony of what you've done in our lives and how you've changed us. We thank you for who you are, God. We want to praise your name forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We we'll invite you to stand if you're able to, and let's sing this song, O Holy Night.
beautiful that is our voices together in praise to God singing oh holy night just so so grateful that we have this moment together you know I just want to thank you pastor Josh for reminding us to look for opportunities look for opportunities for us to share what God has done in our life you know my prayer for us as we go out today is that we never lose the awe, the awe of God sending his son Jesus as a baby and the truth that that is. You know, I just want to um, say thank you. Thank you to all of you who give faithfully through Timberline Church. You're making an impact globally, nationally, and locally. You can give online. You can give through the app. There's an offering box at the back of the sanctuary as you exit. Just want to remind, just thank you for that. Also, as you go out today, I want to remind you to stop by the, the tables in the mall. You have an opportunity to serve 165 families, pick up a gift tag. That's at the missions table. I just want to invite you to be a part of that. You can also find out what trips our missions are sending in 2023. We invite you to be a part of that. I love to invite our prayer team forward. For those of you who have something you'd like someone just to join you in prayer with, and as Pastor Josh said about the prodigal, 
someone dear in your life that you love, that you want to see come back to the Lord, please take a moment and have someone from our prayer team pray with you. I want you to know it's, they consider it an honor to pray with you. So, such a great time. Just hate even for these. This is our last service and such a sweet time. It has been all four services. So before we go today, love for us to say, let love live together. One, two, three. Let love live. God bless you guys. Have a great week.